Oh, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence here. Amen? Thank you what you're doing. Thank you for the beautiful flow of service today, Father. And we just ask that we can just continue to just operate in your spirit as we just move forward in learning from, from your word, Father, and see what you have to speak to us. Amen? Amen. So um, we are embarking on a, uh, a new sermon series <clears throat> called The Culture of Heaven. Uh, and we have been spending some, last week, just laying down the groundwork. And so here we have it, Philippians 3.20. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. And so last week I laid down these seven aspects of culture. There are different mountains or different cultural edifices that are in our world. Religion, arts, language. There are so many different things that comprise our culture. And what I felt the Lord was doing here for us is for us to begin to question, actually question the culture that we're brought up in. And say, all right, what does the culture that I've been brought up in, what does it teach me? Not just our foods and the way that we interact with one another, but those things which are unseen, which would be the ways in which we think. And how we come up with answers to things. And so this is what we're going to be doing. And so this first week of real teaching uh, will be on, if we can go back to the first slide, please. The culture of economy or economics. And so the earth has a way to exchange goods. And the heavenly realm has a way to deal with the economy as well. And I was really excited prepping for this because I teach economics. I've actually taught economics at a, uh, a Christian university or Christian college. Is it? Well, I don't know what it is. Karen, Karen University? Yeah, Christian University. Uh, and so I taught economics to believers, which was like a really kind of far out thing. Uh, and so I was like really excited about, man, like yeah, I can use some of the things that I've learned. And then, of course, the Lord always, you know, whoop, turns everything upside down. I'm like, okay, cool. So it's going to be a little different. I'm going to be honest. I may offend some of you today, but I'm believing it's not me offending you. It's the truth that may be causing you to buckle a little bit. You receive it? Amen. And obviously, with everything, go to the Lord. See what the Lord is saying about such things. Uh, but I, I kind of was a little bit like, ooh, this, this may raise a couple eyebrows today. It's all good, though. Matthew chapter 25. Let's start there. Matthew 25 is the parable of the talents. And it really is the beginning of the economy of heaven. We're going to only read two verses for now. We'll come back to it later. Uh, but I want to build an argument first. Matthew 25, verse 14. Try not to read ahead. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. He called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Okay? So um, this is the parable of the talents, uh, which we will get into in a moment. Essentially, uh, they have investment. They have five talents. They have two talents and one talent. And we'll talk about what that is in a moment. But if we can go to um, the next slide, please. 
So what is this thing economics? Like, if we're going to understand biblical economics, if we're going to understand the biblical way of doing things, economically speaking, I guess the first step would be, what is economics anyway? So this is the study of economics. The study of how people satisfy their unlimited wants and needs through the careful use of scarce resources. That's what it is. Okay, so there's the punchline, and it's all over now. <laughs> Not at all. And I, if that was it, man, you guys wouldn't be offended, would you? You wouldn't be offended or maybe you know, a little bit of a, I don't want to say offense, but you know what I mean, like a little bit like, ooh, I gotta, I'm going to think about that. All right, so you know, one of the misconceptions that we have to understand here is, look, it, it doesn't say, well, it says wants and needs, careful use of scarce resources. Um, so there's an interesting thing here. What I want you to do right now is take a moment. I, I had Bill hopefully give every person a bulletin. If not, take a piece of paper out. And I want you to write down right now, and you know, don't even, you know, just, just whatever you're feeling. What are the wants and needs that you have? What are your wants and needs? Because this is a lesson in economics. What do you need? What do you want? Just take a moment, you know, think about the thing. Uh, whatever you want and need. Absolutely. So as you guys write those down, I'm going to give this to Kevin. I've been meaning to give this to you. Patty gave you some of those seeds. All right, cool. So if you kind of wrap that up, and uh, let me explain this a little bit. <clears throat> what we have here is uh, nowhere in the definition does it say anything about money. And most of us think about economics, the first thing we think about is money. That, that's not the definition of economics. Like if we brought an economics textbook in here, which I essentially did, because I copied that out of my economics textbook, you would see that there is nothing in relationship to money. It's all about how do societies get their needs and wants met because there's such scarce resources on planet Earth. Nothing about money. Although every single person when you think about economics, first thing you do is think about money. Money is interesting. Money, if I really wanted to bore you with an economics lesson, uh, for the last you know, six, 8,000 years, mankind has gone on a development of money. Money is simply a tool. And what is the tool? The tool is something that is used for people to exchange things. It's very hard for me to be a teacher and to go to a grocery store and exchange teaching for a loaf of bread. So we as society have devised ways in order to make that exchange easier. And mankind did not always use money. First, uh, mankind used barter, which I was just kind of explaining there. Um, some indigenous societies used feathers. Uh, for a long time, the Romans used salt, which was pretty interesting. It was, it was so valuable uh, that you would want to use, you would use salt. Um, people in the colonies of the New World in America, uh, they actually used tobacco and gunpowder, because you could use that. 
Like gold out in the wilderness is like, like you live in a log cabin, you have gold, you're like, ah, that's not what you use this for, right? Now what happened here is over time, uh, mankind began to use coins and eventually paper. So in America we use paper, uh, and what's very ironic here is that this is actually worth nothing. <laughs> All it is is cotton. It's a cotton silk poly blend. It's used that way so that when you put it in the wash, it does not get destroyed. Okay? It is paper that has absolutely no value outside of the value that we in a society place on. It's paper. It's a little green stamp on it. Now it's worth something. It's so funny. But it's powerful because it is a tool which we use in order to engage in trade. And that's the way that it's really working here. Okay? So it doesn't have to be money. It's just how do you get your wants and needs met? Well, we need a tool to do that. And society, they made money be the tool to speed this up and make it more logical and faster and quicker. And now it's so quick you don't even need paper. You just swipe a card, right? Now you just swipe a card and boom, it's done automatically. So that's what economics is. And so let's, uh, let's go on and read the rest of the story here. Since slide number three is just a little articulation of where we're going to be. Not slide number three, I'm sorry. Whatever the next slide may be. Uh, is the parable of the talents, which we were just talking about. Uh, and so let's read this, right? So this is Matthew 25. We're going to begin in 14 again, and we're going to go through 19. We're going to begin to break down what heaven has to say about economics a bit. <clears throat> so, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise he who had received two, gained two more also. But he who had received one, went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord or the master's money. After a long time, the Lord or the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Okay, so what do we have here? We have a story, a man or a master or a Lord in the very kind of like, you know, kingship kind of way, like the Lord of the manor gives his servants talents. And so we go to the next slide. What's a talent anyway? We need to clarify something. Uh, a talent is not like a talent like you know, like a gift. A gifting or something that you're good at. That's probably where we get the word talent from. Because with your talents, you have a, a tendency to actually make money off your talents. For example, my sister is a journalist. She's very talented in writing and very talented in investigating reporting. And she, with that talent, receives money. Talent. That's probably where I wonder where the etymology or the development of the, of the word came from, which will be next week with language. <laughs> so what we have here is what is a talent? A talent is essentially a unit of gold. A unit of gold. So when the Bible talks about talents, you're not talking about your talents, your skills, your giftings. It's talking about a unit of currency. The unit of currency, by biblical scholars, there's a difference between an Old Testament talent and a New Testament talent. Underneath the New Testament talent, a talent is almost somewhere between 60 and 75 pounds of gold. It is the large, largest unit in Roman currency. Okay? So, 
When the master of the kingdom gives you five talents, he's giving you up to almost 500 pounds of gold. He's giving you a fortune. He's giving you millions. And when, even when he gives only two to the one guy and one to the other, it's still more money than probably what most of us, if not all of us, will be making in a lifetime. That's what he's giving. Okay? So now, let's... Uh, Give this a shot with my microphone. I actually want to put it down because I'm still being recorded. <clears throat> let's uh, let's just hear the needs and wants. I just want you, if you guys can if we can do this somewhat quickly. Just give me a couple things with the raising of your hand of something that you wrote down as a need or a want. And let's not be shameful. We're human beings. There's things that we obviously need and want. I need water. I need food. It's something that I need. Good. Shelter. All right, so those are kind of like our needs, right? Now let's talk about wants. What would we what do we want? Joseph Kelly. Mustang. A horse or a car? Car? If you guys can even read that, but okay. Yeah. That that yeah, that might be a uh, need in today's society. Whoa, authority. Well, uh, we'll try to explain that one maybe a little later. Second to God. I got you, I got you. Yeah. Family back together. Family back together. guys getting all spiritual on me. A recliner. What else we got? John. Eagles tickets. A housekeeper. Mortgage. That's a, that's a good one, man. All right, so one more and then not, or two more, and then we're gonna close close up shop here. Yeah. Peace of mind. Oh yes. Student loans paid. Oh, praise the name of Jesus. <laughs> Selena. <laughs> the Norwex line. It's like this cleaning stuff, cleaning product. All right, good. That's good. That's good. So let's um, let's take a look here. These are all these are all good needs, wants, economics. How do we get them satisfied with limited amounts of money? If we had a lot of money, we could get everything we wanted, right? We could get everything we wanted, and you know that's the way that well, kind of economics works. But let's uh, let's let's take a look at the response by the master when he returns after giving this very large fortune, really a large fortune to these different servants. Okay. To the first man whom he gave five, and the second man whom he gave two. He says, while I was away, you invested this treasure. You invested this money, and you have expanded my treasure. Matthew 25, verse 21, he says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of our Lord. Right? The two servants, they did well. They took the money and they invested it and they grew the fortune of their Lord, of their master, of their king. And he's so pleased at what he's done. The third man, he goes up to him and says, all right, what have you done? And the third man says later in the story, for the sake of time, I'm going to paraphrase. He says, I was afraid of you. I was afraid I was going to lose the fortune. So much money, I was afraid I was going to lose it. So I took that money and I put it in a hole to keep it safe. The master then responds and says, you, you, you would have been better off giving it to the bankers and putting the, let the bankers use that money. And then verse 30. And earlier it says to the man who put it in the hole, you wicked and lazy servant, I will banish you and you will be cast into the unprofitable the unprofitable servant will be cast into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell! I want to cast you to hell because you didn't make a return on my investment. And so we were talking about this on Wednesday night at prayer. We are like, what the heck? And like, um, Jess was like, like, what is he saying? He's going to put poor people in hell? So if you just read this, you're like, oh, so people that have a little bit of money and have taken that money, invested in their 401k and the stock market, and made all these wise decisions, that's good. And those people who don't have any money, well, you're going to be put into the place of the gnashing of teeth. Obviously, that's not what he's saying. So then, therefore, obviously, this parable is not about money. Because economics and the culture of heaven and the economics of heaven is not about money. There will be many preachers and teachers who will teach you how to get rich, how to get rich quick. This is where I'm going to offend people. I'm just going to be real with you. How do I get rich quick is not a Christian question. It is not befitting of sons and daughters. Now, with that being said, the Lord does, in fact, want us to be blessed. We can use money as a tool. Absolutely. No doubt about it. It's very clear in Scripture that he wants that. And he chooses to bless. But you see, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm in my office, and I'm in my basement. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, what am I saying? The culture of heaven, and the economics of heaven, and all this going on. I'm like, Lord, like, I, I, I mean... I could really teach on the appropriate finances in the kingdom. Like, how do you take your money and how do you use it for the Lord and how do you use it for the kingdom? Like, that would be like a really awesome message, Lord. Like the power of tithing and sowing and reaping. I'm like, man, this would be like really perfect for our community. Teach on the notion of giving. It's better to give than to receive because when you give, you sow into the kingdom and you're giving your money away and the Lord's just going to put bounty upon you and give you all this stuff. I'm like, this would be so cool because it's economic. I'm sitting there and the Lord is, is just speaking to me. He says, David, 
That is a teaching that would be in response to the culture of man. I'm like, I'm having a bit of a Job moment before. If you taught on all of that, maybe that's a teaching that should be done. I don't know if the church is completely the place to do finances and things like that, but it can be. And talking about appropriate giving and tithing and all this kind of stuff. But how do you get rich? How do I make more money? What do I got to do? I don't ever think Jesus didn't quite teach on that. Although he did, but not in the way that we wanted. Anyway. I'm like, yeah, but like, we're in a tough neighborhood. We don't all have a lot of money. A lot of us are struggling. Like, it'd be really cool to talk about, Lord, how to like just appropriately give unto the Lord and believe on you and you're going to respond and you're going to do all this kind of stuff. Like, that's what the people want to me. And once again, he says, that's because you are thinking in the realm of the culture of men. David, what do I, the Father, want and need? That is the economy of heaven. I have no scarce resources. We have the blood of Jesus, but what do I, the Father, want and need? That is the culture, the economic culture of heaven. I was like, oh. But if we're really cheerful givers and we give unto the Lord, you are going to give back unto us, Lord. And he says once again, David, that is within the culture of man. And there is some hints and there is some truth of heavenly perspective. But what do I want, David? And what do I need? What does heaven want and need? It's heaven! David, what I want in this kingdom paradigm of the economics of heaven. What I want is souls. What I want above all else are people's souls. What I need is for the church to understand their identity in me, to be a bride, to go forward in the power of the gospel and to spread the kingdom of heaven on earth. That is what I want. That is what I need. And that is the economy of heaven. Talking to me, he's like, David, don't you know that I, I, I already own a cattle on a thousand hills? Don't you know that you're not a beggar, but you're a son of the Most High God? Hallelujah. Don't you know you don't have to worry? Didn't I tell you over and over again in Matthew, be anxious for nothing. Look at the sparrows of the sky. They don't wonder where their food is going to be coming from. Jesus. Didn't I already tell you about how to rely on wealth and money in my kingdom? I told you this. Seek ye first my kingdom. And then. And then. Whoa. Many of us want our wants and needs met. But the formula of heaven is seek ye First, the kingdom of heaven, and then all these things will be bestowed upon you. Many of us have our economics lesson flopped. I want my needs and wants, and then with my leftovers, I shall seek ye the kingdom of heaven. It's that simple. We need to seek the kingdom of heaven. That's what the Father wants. That's what He needs. He wants us to go forward as His bride, as His, as his people to go forward and to 
Share the kingdom. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. He then says to me, David, the money's paper. It's going to burn. It's going to burn. Only me, you, my bride, and the word of the Lord shall stand forever. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord shall stand forever. Anything else, I'm sorry, and maybe I'll be corrected later, maybe I'll hear from the Lord differently, but I'm telling you, man, it's not a befitting question. Do you honestly think Paul, Peter, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Andrew, Timothy were sitting around the campfire with Jesus or after his resurrection saying, how do we make more money so that we can live comfortably and then further the kingdom? Do you think they actually had that conversation? No. No, they were like, how do we further the kingdom of God and we know that he's going to provide for everything that we need? The money is a tool. I get it. Don't let the tool own you. The Lord says the Sabbath has been given unto man, not man for the Sabbath. As he's talking to the Pharisees, that they're making the Sabbath Lord over them, and they're making all these restrictions. Money is a tool of exchange that we have received. Do not make it Lord over your life. You seek the kingdom, and then your belly is going to be full. You're going to have a place to put your head down. I'm telling you, I guarantee it. It's good. He's going to take care of you. Yes, there's, there's appropriate biblical financing and sewing into, into projects. Absolutely. But the economy of heaven is what is wanted and what is needed. It's all these other things. So let me go to the next slide, please. The Lord is just reminding me of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And then the next line. No, it's full. no you're right. It's building up suspense. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not want. I always thought, like, I shall not want means that the Lord is so good and is so awesome that he's going to provide for all of my Do you need a washer and dryer? You may think you need it. I shall not want is not an element where a lot of Christians believe that he's just going to give me the things that I want. I shall not want is there's no need to want because I already have what I need and want. And what I need and want is my relationship with the Father. What I need and want is my understanding as a son or daughter. If you are content in him, it does not matter if you're getting your head cut off by ISIS in the Middle East. Because you are at a place of understanding of who you are. Can you imagine being led to the slaughter in the, in the gates of, 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 the, of the gladiators, in the Colosseum? So we have such a twisted view of Christianity in the West. Twisted, perverted. That's true. Grow me fat. Make me wealthy. 
How do you preach that to someone in the middle of China, in the middle of Iraq, in the middle of India, in the middle of Saudi Arabia and Syria who are laying down their lives? It is a gospel message that works very well in America. But it has no teeth in other places of the world because they do not have that reality. To be content is to not want. Content and knowing where you're going, knowing who you are, proclaiming the gospel message because we shall not have any, we don't have to have any of those other needs and wants. It's the power of the gospel, man. It's the power of the gospel. It doesn't work well in our culture, but it's a message that works well in the third world because they have nothing. And it just so happens that's where the church is growing actually the, the fastest. Where people have nothing. Because all they have is, I shall not want, because I have my identity in him. So the power of the gospel goes forward. It's unbelievable. I mean, think about it right now. If you just like trained your children, be like, yo, college is not that important. What's really important is getting your relationship right with the Lord and furthering the kingdom of God in any way, shape, or form. The Mormons do it. Don't go to college. You have three years in pilgrimage. Absolutely. Every Mormon, three years pilgrimage. Jehovah's Witnesses, don't worry about college. Go knock on some doors. Christians, hey, go to college, join a youth group there, get some money, get student loans, and pay them off for the rest of your life. And then if there's extra time, go and serve the kingdom. Come on. Anyone here who was born 1976 on understands and was brought up in the church, that is what is thought of you. Thy kingdom come. Seek ye first the kingdom and everything else is going, it's going to it's going to happen. It's going to happen, man. I'm telling you. All right, we got to wrap this up a little bit. Get a little hot in here. Mario, you mind come on down? Josh, can you hold me up with a little water outside? Man? Oh, Look, Jesus does not want you poor and destitute. I'll be the first one to say. He doesn't want that. Jesus, Yeshua was a relatively wealthy man for his day. No doubt. Abraham, very, very wealthy. He wants to bless. But I know that Abraham was wealthy. And I know Yeshua was wealthy. Not because they just had wealth. It's because they thought first to further the kingdom. And then the Lord blessed them the things that they would need to further that kingdom. So how do we bring this all together? We take a look at Matthew 25. A master, thanks, bro. A master goes on a journey and he leaves his servant with treasure. A parable. Something that shows another truth. Jesus is the one who's the master. And Jesus is the one who went on the journey. To his father's house. To heaven. And the master returns. And Jesus will return. And he will look at his beloved. He will look at his servants. He will look at the ones that he's given us five talents, two talents, and one talent. He will say, look, I've given you treasures. Treasures. Yes, I've given you a job where you have money in your pocket. Yes, I've given you talents and giftings, callings on your life. 
I raise you up as a little boy to be able to play the piano, the guitar. I raise you up as a girl to be able to sing unto the Lord. I raise you up as a sentient being that can read the scriptures and can gain an understanding and speak forth life unto people. I've given you the treasure of the gospel. And I went to my father's house. And now I came back. And what have you done with the treasure that I gave you? Some who had five and had so many talents and blessings on their life. It was so apparent. They did such amazing things. They invested in the kingdom. They started Christian movie broadcasts. They created Christian books and movies and all this kind of stuff. Man, the talent that they had. And then other of us, we didn't get the five, right? We didn't get the five. We weren't like, like born like, wow, this, this person's going to do something crazy, right, for, for the kingdom. You know, you're like the normal Christian dude. I got some giftings. They might not be like Bill Johnson's giftings or Carrie Job's giftings, but I got some giftings, you know? I got the two talents. I got the, I got the money. I got the treasure. And, and I'm going to invest in that as well. And I want to I wanna grow the kingdom. But yet, there's still some of us who look at our life, who actually look at the treasure that has been given to us. One talent is worth millions. We look at the one gifting the Lord has given us. We look at the treasure of the gospel that he's given to us. And we're so afraid that it's quite not as good as my brother's. I only got one. They got five. I got one. They got two. My little giftings that I have, I'm so ashamed of it. I shall hide it in the dirt. This is when Jesus comes back and says, I have given you life. I've given you a message of the gospel, but I can't speak well. But you can share the gospel. But I don't have a platform. But I've called you with a treasure to share the gospel. You have a voice upon your lips. You have vocal cords. But I don't sing as well as Jess. I don't sing as well as Mario. They got the talent. They got the five. I only got one. I'm going to hide it in the dirt so people don't see how bad it is. And Jesus is all my beloved. You have giftings and callings. Do not compare yourself with the other five. Do not compare yourself. Do not hide it. Do not take the gospel. Do not take the light and put it underneath a bushel. But have it go up high so people can see it. Whether you are a Bill Johnson or you're just little old me. That's the parable. That's the economy of heaven. The need and the want of the Holy Ghost and the Father is to go forth and be a light first. We hold on and we hide the gift that we have. You hide the gift of teaching. You hide the gift of worship when we're collectively singing out because you think that your voice and your talent, your coin, your treasure that has been given to you is simply not good enough. And you hide it in the dirt where no man can see because you're afraid. I'm afraid of you, Lord. I'm afraid of you, Master. I thought you were going to be angry at me. That I didn't quite get it right. That I screwed up the treasure. That I messed it up. That's why he puts it in the dirt. And I feel the Lord is speaking to me. So many of us are so afraid of what the world will think of our treasure. And we're so concerned about what my, what my brother and my sister will think of my treasure. That instead of showing it off, we'd rather hide it and secure it. Because we have a poverty mindset. A mindset of poverty that I only have so much. And the Lord only has so much. 
and he gave so much of it to this person, but he only gave me such a little bit. And so I need to hold on to it. I gotta hold it. It's mine. This is where church division happens. This is where division between various denominations happen. They have a poverty mindset. Oh my goodness, they're going to another church. My goodness, there's 7 billion people on planet Earth. That's a lot of churches. There's like 6,000, 10,000 people in the in Bristol. Come on, more churches, come on in. Like there's so many people, you know what I'm saying? So, Jesus, Jesus. we have to adopt the mindset of sons. Can't be jealous. He's given all of us a treasure. The treasure is the gospel. The message of Jesus. He's also given us other treasures. A gift. A calling. A talent. We should not be definitely, definitely not hiding it between our brothers and sisters. Oh, we definitely can't hide it before the lost. We need to show them the treasure because that is the economy of heaven. Needs and wants. There is no scarce resource, as Sharon said. The blood of Jesus is, is there to take away it all. The Father has a need. The need is for us to go forward. He has a want. It's for us to go forward with the message of the gospel and not hide it in the ground. Seek ye first the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom and everything else. Everything else will be given. So Father, we go before you. Let me say, Father, if we have made it more about my need and want and my comfort that about the kingdom we come before you and we repent we say let us be a church that puts first the kingdom first thing first the kingdom first thing first the kingdom the kingdom the kingdom in this place over the sound quality the kingdom in this place over keeping the lights on the kingdom in this place and in our lives uh, before our paychecks, before our mortgages, before our student loans, before all this kind of stuff. As King David said, I was young and now I'm old. I've never yet seen the righteous lacking. Never have seen the righteous lacking. Because the righteous push forward in the kingdom. Amen. Tim, if you come on down and give a testimony on prayer, because we're going to want to invite people down for prayer. And Tim's got a good word on the power of prayer at these times. Wow, amen. <laughs> you know, it's a, I'm trying to, like, I want to incorporate my testimony to what you said, because I don't want it to be like the announcements. I don't want it to be that. Yeah, amen. So you hear a message like that, and then so I just want to try to honor that. And so I want to honor you, brother, that Phil Johnson is a blessing to the church. <laughs> You're a blessing to this church. Amen. 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 Amen.
pray for him, imagine what he comes out for you. Amen. He goes digging for the treasure. And that, 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 it's a big deal. It's coming out just a side note. That's, that's good. Great, that's know? good, bro. So here's the here's testimony. The, you know, at this part of the service, I just see that it's really important um, uh, in the, the prayer part. So we think that the prayer part, like after so many years, I thought, like, okay, you come up here. This is the prayer part. You have to be sick. You have to be getting a divorce. You have to be all these different things, which this is what it's about. It's about all those things. I used to think it was the prayer time was just about those those things. But me and Alan went to a church um, some 20 years ago, and, and they went up to Toronto. It's a real awesome church in, in Canada. And they came back, and for three months, I would go up for a prayer every single time. And what they would pray over me was more Lord. That was the prayer about more Lord. More Lord. More Lord. I didn't even go up for like an issue. I just like I just wanted. I was hungry for the things of God, and I said more Lord. And so after like three months, I was like, all right, Lord, what's the deal with this more Lord prayer? What's going on? And he's like, I want you to take a look at your life. And also the Holy Spirit started revealing to me to stop cursing. I love my wife and my kids more. I was more patient. I was like all these different things he started to show me just a more Lord prayer. So don't discount this time up here, right? There's a time, there's an opportunity to have an encounter with the living God. And just like the story of Esther, one time with the king changes everything. Amen. You can come up here and have an opportunity oh, yes, Lord. to encounter your king, and he can change every part of your circumstance. You might not even be aware that he's going to change it. Amen? Amen? And so as you start to go for the kingdom, you start to press in, you get hungry. He doesn't always respond to our needs and our wants, but he does respond to hunger. And so when you're at the end of the service, you come up here and you say, what can I pray for you? You know, like the, the people up here, what can I pray for you? Nothing, I just want more of him. I'm guaranteeing you, the economy of heaven says that you'll be different because you have to. You can't encounter God and your king and not be any different. That's right. You have to be different. So you get this opportunity at this point in the service. Amen. I don't know what you say. If you have an opportunity, if you have a need, obviously say say something. But if, if nothing else, just say, I want more of him. Yes, God. I want more of him. And I guarantee you in three months, you'll look at your life and be like, wow, that's a big deal. And see, the reason that it's important that you guys come up is because there's so many words spoken over this church about renewal and revival. And what that looks like, it's not the church that are going to come here. It's the lost. It's souls. They don't know what church looks like. But they start to see hungry people coming up here and they start to talk to you and say, why'd you go up there? You must have some serious needs. Nope, I just want more of my life than my king. But I see something different on your life, right? That's being the red strawberry. The red, the red strawberry is showing what green strawberries, what red looks like. And so you start to sow into that hunger and sow into the kingdom of God. Then the kingdom of God will break forth on you because he can't wait to bless you. But he's looking for a heart. He's searching for those who will worship him in the spirit and in truth a message like that, respond to the message. Amen. Respond to the message. If they Jeez. you say, wow, that message blesses me, I'm going to respond to that. Right? Bill Johnson calls it, it's like putting soil on the seed. Respond to the word that he's given you about being hungry for the God and not hungry for the things of this world, and it's a guarantee that he's going to bless you. I can keep going. Amen? Amen. Amen, <laughs> Amen brother. That's a good word. Hmm. If you chase two rabbits, you will not catch either one. It's good. He's worshiping the Lord. 
<laughs> Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus. If you chase two rabbits, you will not catch either one, right? It's the notion of focusing your attention on the one thing. To behold his beauty. To bring forth the kingdom. So we want to invite you to worship. We want to invite you to go and get some food. If, if you'd like that downstairs. But come on down and get some prayer. As Tim was saying. We will be here to pray for your needs. Especially the one that just says. More of you Lord. More of you. Amen. Amen. If you feel a calling and a desire. To pray for people. Then just come up here. And do this. Then we know you're the people that are praying. Those people that need prayer, you're going to come up and do this. And then we'll just figure it out. Amen? Amen.